Welcome to the podcast that is designed to fuel your success in selling technology solutions. I'm your host, Josh Lopresto, SVP of Sales Engineering at Tolaris, and this is Next Level Biz Tech. Everybody, welcome back to the final track on this episode. We are talking about what everybody wants to hear about, of course, AI. Uh, more specifically, we are wrapping up the track titled, Is AI Better Than a Human Being for Quality in the Contact Center, Amongst the Contact Center Agents? Nobody better than our farthest-reaching guest ever on the podcast, Mr. Giles Potter from Great Outcomes, coming to us from New Zealand. Welcome on, my man. Thanks very much, Josh. It's great to be here, coming in from Auckland today. Love it. Thursday here, Friday there. It's still, it's always going to get me. I think I bring that up every time we talk. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, Giles, so, uh, you know, we, you know, we know that you've got a lot of expertise in Contact Center. We could narrow this down into a lot of different things, and we're going to get to some good, uh, some good content here in just a second about AI and CX and all of that. I always like to start off with how did you start out? Have you always been in contact center? Have you always been in tech? Did you wash dishes and say, I want to get into technology? Where did it start? How'd you get here? Oh, no, I wasn't in tech at all. Not at all. I actually started in marketing as a, a young man in my early 20s. Um, I wanted to be a marketing manager. And, and one of my early jobs was uh, every boy's dream, working in a car manufacturer, uh, marketing finance agreements at, at car dealerships. So we used to go off and do exciting things on the weekend, like uh, supporting the the dealer racing teams at um, exciting racetracks around the country. So yeah, that was really fun. But it uh, ultimately led to technology. So how do you how do you get the train? And I'm a car guy, so I, I I mean part of me wants to hear more about cars. But uh, how do you make the transition from the auto, the marketing world to firing up great outcomes, right, and doing what you've done to build the business up? Yeah, look, um, look. Actually, looking back, it was a pretty natural line, but it went from marketing car finance agreements to then saying, "So hold it, there's a whole lot of customer service in marketing and uh, and operations and fulfilment. If you're going to sell lots of car finance, you're going to actually service them as well. So hey, you go and look after that big customer service operation as well as it." Uh, at, at the beginning. So at a point in my career, I swapped across to uh, working for a, a finance company as part of a bank. And uh, they said to me, oh, and by the way, look after the contact center as well, will you? And that was the first time I failed in life around like, oh my God, this is much harder than I thought. And uh, I met failure f I'm flat in the face. I love it. I love it. Now, now, how do you, how do you, if we, if we, if we flash back a little bit here, right? Failure hits you in the face. Uh, where's the, where does the inspiration in that come from, right? Is it lessons learned, and you go, oh my gosh, I could do this, I could make it better. Where, uh, how do you get into the space? Well, look, it's one of those situations where, um, as a young man or or a young woman, you know, you're faced with that situation of, like, ah, of course we can do this. We can get in and, you know, we can lead customer service. We can have really wow customers and that. But actually, you know, the contact center environment's a really challenging thing between um, we need lots and lots of people to interact with the customers, um, but that's obviously really expensive as well. So you get this challenge between the two. And that's what I meant by failure. It was like, oh, my God. 
this is much harder than we realized. And after three years of um, really trying my hardest with uh, our teams and people doing great things, um, I actually had a natural break from the career world and uh, corporate uh, to actually think like, where am I going to go? What am I actually going to do with this? And that's where I thought, look, I really want to get out there and help others with their contact centers. And so we set up Great Outcomes uh, way back in 2001. And maybe there's a little bit of um, self-realization in there that the things that we find hardest in life, things that we actually fail with, those are the ones we don't want to let go of. And and so I actually grabbed hold of that. And, uh, you know, the next 20 years was just all about contact center. And we started with initially uh, just project after project, helping clients with uh, anything at all that they needed to do to fix their contact centers. And uh, that's been the underlying sort of approach and, and value that we've always brought to assist our clients is, look, we're here to help you just make much better customer interactions. Love it. Uh, let's talk about CX, okay, customer experience. How do you feel that, you know, there's, there's CX across the entire organization, and then there's the customer experience within the contact center. How do those two differ? What, what, I guess what's what's different between the two? Yeah, it's it's a great place to focus in on because contact centers had traditionally been a island on their own, struggling with the technology, struggling with customer satisfaction, struggling with people management around um, staff wellness and staff motivation. And a lot of others in the organization looked in on them from the outside and said, oh my God, that looks difficult. I wouldn't want to go and work in that part of the company. So they became an island and that was a really unhealthy situation. Um, technology, thankfully, has brought um, contact centers back into mainstream part of the organization. And uh, now we can really actually look at uh, the customer experience, CX being something that is right across the organization because through data, we're actually able to share the customer um, interaction. So it doesn't matter what part of the organization you're in now, through integration with things like CRM, um, the actual contact center platform itself, uh, whether someone's interacted with you by email, by voice, uh, by web chat, uh, anyone in the organization can actually see that and see that in real time as soon as that's actually happened. And so that's a huge value to people like sales, logistics, pricing, accounts. And go, ah, oh, I see that person's actually just return those boots uh they've actually just got that ticket id and that email's just gone out to them oh so i'm actually talking to them about their uh late payment for those boots well no wonder because they've actually just report returned them to us so that suddenly brings cx out to all of the organization and that's been a huge improvement for, for all sectors yeah great great point too and i, I remember sitting on that island uh you know when i when i when i got out of I, Similar tracks, right? Auto industry and, and my path is a little more weird and, and less guided but uh, and, and full of mistakes. But uh, the one thing that I remember in that call center, right, doing dial-up tech support was that you can kind of hide. Uh, and, and not that it's an easy job, but from a QA perspective, and I know we're going to get into QA here in a second, it was just about, well, I got to be on my best call when this manager comes around because, you know, that's going to be my score and he's going to hijack and listen and, and all those things. And, yeah, to your point, uh, it's it's just so different, right? Um, I, I love you, you call out a great point, right, not sitting on an island. I think that's super important to call out. Yeah, yeah thanks. Um, 
let's talk about social media. So obviously a lot of the contact centers grew up, voice space, right? Other things evolved. Uh, let's talk about that. What from, you know, you've seen this in the last 20 years. What's your opinion here? Let's talk about impact of all social media channels rather than just voice and email on the entire customer experience. And what, what have you seen in that as you've talked to all these different customers? Yeah, so it's very sector specific to start with. So I wanted to start by talking about healthcare to begin with, because when you talk to the healthcare sector, I mean, that that's obviously a massive sector too. So it's a really, really important for all of us. Um, so healthcare initially just couldn't imagine interacting with their patients, as they call them, not customers, but their patients um, over social media. So they're going like, you, what, you, you're going to have one of my clinical staff talking to a patient over Facebook Messenger? I don't think so. So, but then when you actually start to break it down, you start to say to them, well, look, actually, you know, your receptionists get really tied up trying to book appointments and uh, we're being told that we can't book in for eight weeks. Uh, so actually, what about we actually start using some smarts to actually facilitate some of that? So break it down to, um, yeah, I'm not actually talking to a nurse. I'm actually starting by just talking to a receptionist. So let's actually use um, the channels. So whether it be um, social media, and it really doesn't matter. It's how the customer actually wants to talk to you. If they want to actually start off that interaction through web, um, through uh, WhatsApp, then let's just be ready to do that. Um, we might actually migrate them across the email, but we don't necessarily need to. We might be able to actually capture a whole lot of that information that we need um, through WhatsApp to begin with. And then the penny drops. They start to go like, you mean I'm not going to tie up all my staff all the time with this? And it's like, yeah. So let's actually look at how we could do this for you. And you're, you're then away. And that really opens up some great conversations to get started. So I'm going to, you brought up something I want to call out here, right? Pro tip for partners moment. So our, our partners listen to this, right? And I think what a lot of people are, are saying to themselves is, okay, I, maybe I'm not in CX and maybe I'm not in AI and I don't understand that world and I, I, I didn't grow up in it. Maybe I grew up over here in security or in SD-WAN or in cloud or wherever, somewhere different or adjacent. If you take back in the 20 years that you saw this, right? Obviously, technology has changed. We're going to, my next question is going to be about AI uh, specifically. But if you look at where it's started in 01 and where it's come in the last 20 years, uh, I like to give away, you know, probing questions to partners, things to help help them do discovery calls. And, and, and so I'm curious to, to knock some of this uh, maybe preconceived notion out. Did the customers that you talked to over those 20 years, how, what percentage of them knew that they had what they needed or knew that there was even a problem versus you saying, have you thought about it this way? Oh, look, uh, it's a small percentage. Like if perhaps for every one person that comes and talks to us and says, I just want this. Um, there's about four or five who are coming to us and going like, oh my God, I've got these headaches. I just, you know, we haven't got enough staff or, I, you know, we, we took on this technology and it's been a nightmare um, or uh, we've, we're going through a merger and we're, we're going to be twice the size that we were. And um, I just can't imagine how we're going to deal with all their customer experience problems and all ours as well. We can't even get on top of our own. So those are most of the time, I think you've actually got to, first of all, just really be prepared to listen. <laughs> 
you sort of a bit of the just come and talk to me and I will just hear what your problems are to begin with. You just let it all out. And that's a really great place because you cannot solve it all in one go, but you can start with something small to begin with. Um, just a first question. And so that's how um, I've found that we can actually help people who think um, that maybe technology couldn't help them. Sometimes, you know, um, you may think that you're actually talking to someone who um, just doesn't want to hear about technology, that you're just trying to sell a box. And uh, it's not that at all. It's the, hey, you send a lot of SMSs out to your customers. Had you ever thought of actually what it might be like if they actually were able to reply to you? Because you just send these one-way SMSs. Like, that must be very frustrating for them if what you've sent doesn't make sense. So what about we actually just have a look at that uh, with two-way SMS, you know? So then they go, hey, wouldn't that be useful? Yeah. So we haven't actually solved all the contact center problems at all. We've actually just started with one really quite simple little aspect. And without even really trying, you might have actually just sold them a product because they might go, yeah, well, let's kick out our current SMS product, which doesn't actually help us that much. And let's look at one that can. So that's a, a first step. I love it. That's uh, awesome. Just in that, I mean, there's a lot to unpack there, but I think that's beautiful. It's a great, uh, it's a great call out, right? Because I think people have a lot of conceived notions of this has got to be in, incredibly difficult to start. I can't imagine where I start. What do I even say? What do I even do? Because I imagine that people already kind of know what they want. And I think you call it a great point. Uh, you know, f four out of five don't know and they need the therapy. It sounded to me like you were describing therapy a little bit, which is okay because we have to listen, we have to help, and then we have to prescribe whatever it is. Uh, so I love that. It's a great example. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, start with that question of like, how do you speak to your customers? It may not even be voice. How do you contact? How do you, how do you communicate with your customers? Uh, someone said that at one of the conferences I've been to, and I thought that was the best opening line I ever heard. Yeah. Beautiful. All right. Let's talk about AI. Uh, let's, let's get in and hear and say, you know, First of all, for you, right, as you saw this evolution, uh, you know, w what was your first uh, run in with AI from a contact center perspective? Uh, first run in, well, uh, I actually started to hear about it more from the um, the bigger sectors. So you start hearing that AI you know, is coming just in general, it wasn't even as specific as, as Connect Center. And so um, I actually was a partner summit in Denver and I got a chance to hear the amazing Sam Nelson. She was working at that time for a, leading the AI dev team for a, um, a provider. And I went there and I was just wowed. I just like, oh my God, she's opened up this whole world. I'm hearing from someone who actually, you know, is in the midst of it. And then uh, getting back to work after being at that um, Denver conference, I started talking to people about like, I've just heard the future. You know, this is incredible. Um, so then when we actually started to experience it, um, and this is a thing I feel is important that people should understand is I'm not seeing AI as a, it's all about AI and there's the other environment that is no AI. I'm actually seeing this convergence of, well, we've got some AI going on here and then we've got some, the rest of our interactions, which are not AI based, but it's just a, a melding. So I'd like to encourage people to think about AI as something that we can do uh, some work where we've got some AI coming into our um 
our CX processes. And gradually that might grow, uh, but we have started really small and it could be as small as um, the first full interaction I had was actually in um, insurance. Um, I have a motor scooter I get around because in the city it's easy to get on the motor scooter rather than try and take the big uh, four-wheel drive into, into uh, an appointment. And so I buzzed in there on my motor scooter and I sold one, I bought another motor scooter and I've got this new one and I had to change out the insurance policy. So I got in touch with my insurer and said like, uh, you know, can you end that one and start me a new one? And it was all done over Facebook Messenger. And there were lots of um, questions at the beginning, really simple stuff. Give us your retro number. Um, can you just tell us the policy number? If you know it, if you don't, just give us your date of birth, your name, address. So when you look back at that, you go like, hey, I thought AI was going to be like, you know, sci-fi. But actually, <laughs> no, no. Hey, look, they're just... Imagine how much, how many agent hours they saved by gathering as much of that information as they could in the changeover of my insurance policies. And the only time that a person got involved was at the very end when they came on and said, um, thanks for all that information. I've now changed your policy over and that's now all in place for your new motor scooter. There you go. Um, so it wasn't a case of all AI or no AI. It was this um, convergence of the two. And so that was the first time. Um, and we're now looking at some much smarter things with that insurer. I'm very loyal to my clients. You know, I get my insurance through my own clients. Um, <laughs> but, you know, um, talking to them about, um, you know, AI at a, at a deeper level. Um, but that's that's a yeah. good place to start I, I i like that because uh it it calls out the point not of you know there's there's the there's the fear in the market of ah ai is going to replace jobs and blah 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 but i think what you called out is you called out a great use case of it's not that ai is going to replace the jobs i look at that and i hear you know yes it's a more efficient use of the agent's time and if the companies are able to manage their budgets better and more efficiently use the time and augment with AI where where it makes sense, then how many more companies is gonna that gonna allow to grow on a thinner budget, right? Maybe grow faster, maybe take off, maybe start up faster. All all kinds of things. I think all kinds of good that comes from that. You call it a really good point there. Thank you. Uh, let's okay. So so let's talk about quality management quality assurance in the contact center. So so we talked about kind of your first run in there uh, and exposure to AI. If you look at if you look at kind of where some of these things are now and 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 if people have listened to to the last episode they're going to have heard from, you know, Level AI and some of the quality tools that are out there and and mind-blowing uh, ability to do some of these things. What's your perspective on AI if we isolate it to quality management, quality assurance in the contact center, how to utilize that best? Yeah. I, I think the first impressions that some people have about it is that um, we should be using AI to notify a supervisor of a poor interaction. You know, someone's just complained, et cetera. But actually, it's way more than that. And we actually got to move away from that. We could actually now think, yeah, well, that was maybe in the past. Uh, that's the sort of thing that we used quality management to automate and, and get notifications. But now we need to actually be thinking in the QM and, and quality assurance space around um, value development, I think. So in terms of value, I mean, 
an organization should be thinking about how do we use QM to increase the value from, say, the high value groups, uh, our high value customers. So if you've got um, in sectors like um, high purchase value sectors, such as, say, travel, financial advice, um, maybe new vehicle sales, going back to our interest in cars, um, you've, you've got uh, customers that you're dealing with that are very high value to the organization and um, and others that are mid or, or lower value to the organization. So let's use AI to start um, seeing how we can increase value to the organization through QM. Uh, so that means things like um, more of a program of work around how would we support agents to deepen the relationship with a high value customer. So QM is typically looking at um, we're in the interaction, whether it be email, whether it be chat, voice, doesn't matter. Um, we're in the interaction. And what could we be doing to improve that interaction in real time? You know, so QM's not always about retrospectively looking back at what's happening. It's like, let's actually try and see how we can help the agent with improving that relationship. And so I'm thinking about things like, um, how is the customer, uh, sorry, how's the agent approaching this customer? Are they um, using open-end questions, for instance? Um, have they actually approached the qualification of their customer well? Now, so this is moving away to looking at a sales development, like sales interaction, as opposed to what typically in the past, QM was just looking at customer service. Um, you know, did we build rapport properly? Have they covered all the things they needed? Use the person's name three times in the interaction. Did they close the interaction? Well, summarize in the notes, but not at all. If we're actually... Uh, but smart about it, we can actually really develop value for the organization that starts to pay for things and we start to get more support um, at senior exec level. And the last part of that interaction I just want to talk about, which is also where I feel it's really at at the moment, is at the end of the interaction. AI can do a brilliant job for us through things like transcriptions and summarizing the interaction. And so when we're talking to our customers, as in uh, you know, chief operating officers, GMs, directors, the sort of people that you know, our audience here, um, these are the people they're talking to. Think about your people are spending a lot of time at the end of an interaction, like summarizing it or taking notes. How many hours, how much, what percentage of your time? Now, I heard someone say the other day, something like 18% of time in the contact center is spent at the end of the interaction. Will you imagine how many hours that is? So there is value capture for organizations. If we just drop that 18% of time spent at the end of interactions to let's say 12% of time, and we get back 6% points um, because we use AI to summarize the interaction. You're talking about millions of dollars. So there you go. It's an easy one to start that conversation. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I can quantify that exactly. Every every call that we finished, I got to go into up to 15 minutes of ramp up time and nobody, <laughs> I was never negatively dinged for not getting, and, and you're right. It was just about getting the notes in on the account, uh, you know, setting the status, setting the flags. 
and done. But a lot of it was, okay, I got to put take these notes, put this here. They said this, we did that thing. So if tier two gets it or tier three gets it, all of those types of things. So yeah, absolutely. Uh, I lo I've loved, it's so cool to see uh, just what transcription has been able to call out. So really good points there. Yeah. Uh, so, all right, now we're going to talk about a deal. So I want to go back to, you know, you, you've seen a lot of deals. I, I, I want to get into, probably my favorite part about this is sometimes deals don't finish the way that they started, right? And I think you brought up that, you, you, you elicited that, that, you know, one in five know what they want and it finishes the way that they want. So maybe walk us through an example, a deal that you went through, a customer situation, and, and really how did it start? What'd you learn? What kind of technology and kind of some of the nuances of the deal did they have? And what type of tech did you put in place? And, you know, really, what did it solve? Yeah. Walk us through that journey. Um, yeah, so two deals coming to mind. They're both very similar. Um, and so the first thing I just want to say uh, to people who may be thinking about how do you approach this and is that in the contact center deal, typically, if they're coming to you and they want a contact center, they whether it's through a tender, an RFP or something sort of formal or even just it's an, an open brief and they've come to talk to you about it. Um, they often are, the quite standard things are being looked for. Tell us about the user licenses, tell us about uh, agent logins, security, tell us about functionality. We want to set up queues, we want to have reporting. Uh, we need to make sure that supervisors get full view of the dashboards, but you don't often find them coming in and saying to you, Oh, and when we get down to um, using AI to um, save uh, uh, some of our payroll, you know, maybe replace some of our agent time um, with AI, um, don't get many inquiries leading in with that. So that's a sort of something that might develop. And so a couple of actual deals that have happened quite quickly, one of them actually was just a very short sales cycle and contact center terms about 90 days uh, from first inquiry to actually signed contract they were just looking to replace their problematic uh, solution with a new one and we gave them all the functionality um, but now that that's in and live and uh, it's up and going and they're very happy with having replaced that they're starting to say but strategically the organization still needs to do xyz and that's where ai starts to come in in my experience uh, so we don't actually really lead in with it that's where that value adding comes where we go back in after the um, solutions there um, and we start saying, hey, had you thought about doing this? Or I know you want more strategic improvements from the technology. You're trying to show your board that you're getting value, um, your senior exec team, that you know all this investment and time we've got there. Um, yeah, well, let's actually start talking about that. And you almost like go back in with a whole another sales cycle. But, you know, that's value. We're not talking about actually just meeting your sales targets. We're actually talking about your client going, Hey, I'm so glad we've got these guys in. They actually, I mean, look at all this value these guys can actually bring to us because now they're telling us about how to actually use this great platform we've got and we're going to do all this more extra stuff. And, and there may be second, third, and fourth products that you actually need to bring in uh, to actually um, meet everything. It may not even necessarily come out of that initial platform because it's not about selling boxes, you know, it's about selling value to the client. You're, you're wanting better CX. We'll do that however we can. Love it. Uh, final couple questions here. 
So we talked a little bit about this and, and we talked about what customers or potential customers think they need versus what they ultimately need. Uh, how do you help talk through that, right? What, what are some of the challenges that you go in super excited? I can come in and help and the customers maybe just don't think they need help there or they don't see how this is going to be of value to them or they can't equate the cost to it. How do you, how do you, you know, for any partners listening, how do you kind of push through that and really help make sure that the customer sees the value that maybe they're not seeing initially? Yeah. Yeah, well, look, that is that is a tough one too, though. <laughs> no easy answers there. Well, first, some things that come to mind are, first of all, we don't sell to just one person in the organization. You know, replacing a contact center is a huge thing for an organization. Their, their main form of interaction with their customer base, you are taking that away from from them and replacing it with another one. Um, so that's going to impact on an, quite a number of people in the organization. Um so first thing is just good practice is start off by making sure that you've got at least three or four senior key people that you're actually talking to in that organization because they've all got to buy into this. Um, if you want to um, have a fairly quick sale, you're not going to allow this to drag out over a long period of time. Um, you make the effort to actually um, get to speak to a number of people. And that may not be easy because your first stakeholder may not be that keen on you getting out there to talk to the second, third and fourth person. Uh, but that's critical. You've got to understand what they're all going to get out of this and why they all want this to actually occur and, and, and happen. Um, and if you've got a difficult first stakeholder who's say not that convinced you're not really um showing me something great but you suspect that there is actually a deal there it may be that the second third and fourth person that you speak to can actually provide something that the first person hasn't revealed and quite often it's things like mm -hmm. hey you never told me that your contract is coming up in april 2024 you know we're pretty close <laughs> to, you know were you planning to replace the system or you just sort of wanting to talk about functionality? It's like, you, that's a different, so you suddenly change the game plan then. It's like, you've got time against you now. Um, that's a short uh, change out cycle to get ready for. And uh, so if that came from the second person, say you can go back to that first difficult person and say, so we're, in, we're, we're changing the approach we're now talking about it on a time frame basis as opposed to a functionality basis uh, so that's how i try and approach those uh where they're just not not appearing to be um that convinced in awesome. in meeting you yeah good advice i like it uh final thoughts here as we look out ominously here to the future uh i mean we, we this year we've seen true birth of open ai and chat gpt and, and and all these things so from a future perspective, and, and I know this, this evolves very fast, especially this pace in this industry, but if you look out 12 plus months, you know, 18 months, anything that, you know, in, in Giles' humble opinion that you see that's going to happen that's differently, new evolutions to look for, things to be aware of, things to be, uh, you know, setting expectations of, hey, customer, if you're thinking about this in the next 12 months, let's, let's keep this on the horizon. Anything different or just double down on everything that we just said? 
No, no, it's definitely, it's a very fast pace of change. And the thing I see that's changing is um, the improving of CX that um, the customer's um, expectations are increasing around what they expect your client's organization should be able to do for them. It's that um, initially they wanted to call, they wanted to get through. And now people are not necessarily expecting that so much because they go, well, if I can't get through calling, I'm just going to be like, I should be able to get information from you online. I should be able to chat or WhatsApp you, or, you know, I should get a uh, automated information back. Um, and so we've seen the bar raise really high. That's been a big leap. It's suddenly, it's not just, I want to call and get through. It's a, uh, I want information. I'm just going to check with the store. Are they open? Uh, I'm just going to check if they've got those shoes in stock. I, I need to get another pair. Um, and it's the now. I need that. I expect that. And that's putting a lot of clients under massive pressure because they're being um, asked from all angles for information. And that's really pushed the CX bar up. And within their organizations, likewise, the rest of the organization wants to be in on that. You know, the salespeople are saying like, hey, I'm going out to the sales call. I looked up on my phone on CRM, you know, and I couldn't see any information about that person who just actually got in touch with you this morning. And I just walked into a sales meeting. So like, hey, um, what's happening here? You know, I should have known that. So they're, they're getting it from both ends and uh, it's no longer really about voice calls. Yeah, we, we've got to just think about interactions. It's a great point. The bar is set high and everybody's got to catch up. So good stuff. Uh, Giles, man, that uh, that wraps us up. I'm questioned out, man. I, you covered some great stuff. Thanks so much for coming on. Well, it's a real honor to be here, Josh, and thank you for inviting me in today. I've just really enjoyed it. It's always fun to talk to you. Love it. All right, everybody, that wraps us up for today. Giles Potter, great outcomes coming to us from New Zealand. I'm your host, Josh Lopresto, SVP of Sales Engineering at Tolaris, AI, QA, and the Context. Next Level BizTech has been a production of Tolaris Studio 19. Please visit Tolaris.com for more information.